everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm Lori LeBay, the host and founder of Alzheimer's Speaks. Um, before we get started, we always have new listeners, so I always just like to tell you a little bit about us. And bottom line, Alzheimer's Speaks is an advocacy-based company providing multiple platforms to shift our dementia care culture from crisis to comfort worldwide. We believe that by joining forces and sharing knowledge and just having these everyday conversations about life with dementia, we're going to be able to remove the stigmas um, and the myths attached to memory loss and help people continue to live life with purpose. At our core, uh, we believe that collaboration is the only way that we are going to be able to win the battle against dementia. And I know that that's working thanks to each of you. You see, it's your shares, your clicks, your likes that have um, gotten us recognized as the number one influencer online regarding Alzheimer's, according to Share Care and Dr. Oz. So we really appreciate you taking the time, um, even though it's just a couple of seconds, that impact is huge. There are so many people that we have in our own sphere of influence that are dealing with this disease but really don't talk about it. And the more we can get information out there for them to grab a hold of when they're ready, um, the easier it will be. So please continue to share with your Twitter tribes, your Facebook friends, your Pinterest peeps, um, your LinkedIn colleagues. And, um, you know, there's so many others out there in the, in the social media ring. Um, if you've got a blog, feel free to go ahead and reblog. Uh, the information that we have. And don't just limit it either to um, the radio show. We also have a blog. We've got a YouTube channel. We do dementia chats, which are free webinars where our experts actually have dementia, and they give just wonderful insights in terms of living with the disease. Um, I also want to give a shout out. Uh, I don't know if everybody out there knows about this company, but the um, Call Alert Center is just an absolutely fabulous system that um, you can use if you are a care partner, um, if you're a world traveler, if you have children or pets. But basically, it's a registry system where you can have information stored and at the ready in case anything would happen. If somebody went missing, um, pet or person, and they can get that disseminated within like 10 minutes. It's a pretty uh, cool system, and, you know, we're, we get pretty harried when, when there's a crisis at hand. So um, just keep that in mind. You can go to alzheimerspeaks.com, and you'll be able to find a link to that right on our homepage. Um, today's show, we're going to be talking about holiday gift giving, and um, we're going to look at some of the best Alzheimer's and dementia products that are available to you um, through a company called Best Alzheimer's Products. And today we are lucky enough to have John Schmidt with us, and uh, Schmidt with us, and he is the co-founder of Best Alzheimer's Products, which he basically started um, due to you know looking out for a friend, and he found it really difficult to find age and stage appropriate activities for a family friend. And through their research at Best Alzheimer's Products. 
Um, you know, they started off with a, a website and a blog and then later into this store, which has just done wonders around the world. And it really does have the best Alzheimer's products um, online in a non-medical dementia therapy uh, fashion. So welcome today, John. How are you? I'm well. Thank you, Lori. How are you? I am doing good, other than I forgot to introduce Paul Ann um, Gordon first, who's my co-host today. So let me back paddle here and introduce her. Um, Paul Ann is living with dementia, and she just adds so much to the conversation here. So welcome, Paul Ann. Do you want to give people a little bit of your story, too? Um, sure. I um, I was diagnosed at age 57 with vascular dementia, and that's been about four and a half years ago now, and I'm just involved in as many advocacy opportunities that I can find. It keeps me purposeful. Okay, wonderful. Well, I'm, I'm looking forward to your insights as we talk with John uh, for this next, next hour here. Um, John, why don't you tell us a little bit more about, you know, what made you start um, your company. I mentioned that there was a, a friend, but are you willing to share a little bit more detail with our audience? Of course, yeah. Uh, her, her name is Bernice. She's She died about three years ago now, mm-hmm. uh, diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's or dementia of the Alzheimer's type. Uh, I'm tr- thinking where to start. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's all over the internet now, her pictures and her stories, so I'm not it's not a bad thing to be talking about her. And I think Bernice, she was the type of woman that would appreciate it, that she's doing something to help others in her condition. Uh, but at one point, uh, at one point in her life, she was older, about 80 years old at the time, we started noticing some things. And maybe the first thing we noticed was that every time we would call her, every time my wife Holly would call her, um, to do something, to set up an appointment or a date for lunch or just to get together to talk. Uh, Bernice had to finish her paperwork. And this could go on for days and eventually even weeks that we couldn't get together with her because she had to finish her paperwork. Now, her paperwork was, you know, reconciling her bank accounts and managing her investments, things like that. But she never seemed to finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was kind of the first clue. Now, a disease of the brain becomes dementia when it interferes with one's normal functioning, and something was obviously interfering with Bernice's. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, we looked closer, and eventually we did, you know, get her in this, get her some medical help. She was eventually diagnosed with Alzheimer's, probable Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so she had no one else at she had outlived her family. Even her son was, if not dead, at least unfindable. We looked. We spent a lot of time. The last we had heard, he was in California, but we were unable to locate him. So we became her primary care providers and her and her uh, uh, power of attorney. Okay. So we, you know, I, I knew what Alzheimer's was, or at least very basically. But we had no idea what, you know, what to expect. We had no idea how to care for somebody who had any kind of dementia. And uh, we wanted to do the best we could for her. So we started studying. And that has turned into this business. I spent the last 
12 to 15 years researching all of dementia, you know, the diseases that cause dementia, the best care practices for dementia. And we have now not only this store, but a website slash blog that we just keep writing. Uh, you know, we thought that that uh, other people would probably find themselves in the same situation that we found ourselves in, and that really know what to do. And since we had such a difficult fi time finding things, we thought we'd make that easier. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's funny how so many of us uh, get into this space because it's so unknown, and you just want to help the next guy, um, you yeah. know, um, through the process because it is... Uh, it is difficult when you don't have, you know, when you don't know the next steps uh, to take. Oh, it's very resources. difficult, and it's, it's frightening, too. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep, definitely, definitely. Now, John, you've devoted a lot of space on your website talking about gifting. Can you tell us um, why finding a gift for somebody with dementia or Alzheimer's is different for just, you know, running out, purchasing your regular old gift for the holidays? Yeah, well, in a lot of ways, it is no different. Mm -hmm. um, you're looking for somebody or something that, that the user, the end user, the person with dementia is going to enjoy or get some benefit from. Mm -hmm. Now, I make that distinction. I'll, I'll come back to that later about, about the person, the end user. Mm -hmm. um, and it gets a little tricky in that it's difficult to know just what is going to bring joy or what's going to be useful at that time. If mom used to do the New York, uh, the New York Times crossword puzzle, for example, every week, it might be a good gift to get her a crossword puzzle book. Mm -hmm. But don't make a mistake of getting getting uh, the New York Times crossword puzzle book. It's just going to frustrate her. It's going to be way too difficult, and it's, I said it's going to frustrate her. And frustration can lead to anger and agitation and all of those things, all of those behavioral symptoms that can go with with dementia. I uh, wanted to ask you, John, is there a certain um, stage that you are targeting, like early stage, mid-stage, no, late stage? We're, not, we, you know, we're trying to do as much as we can for the, for the entire spectrum. Okay. Uh, early stage is probably one that's most difficult. Well, no, let me say it's, it's easiest to find for because right. a person's going to be able to do many of the things that he or she has always done. Right. Uh, so, you know, maybe just simplify things a little bit, but, you know, they can still enjoy a movie or a, a decent novel, uh, things like that, that that become practically impossible in later stages. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. Pauline, have you had experience with um, maybe getting a gift that you just didn't feel was appropriate? I mean, I know that happens to all of us, period. At times okay. you're thinking, what were they thinking? You know? <laughs> no. Well, I was just thinking, as John, as you were mentioning about the novel and that sort of thing, I'm a, I am would categorize myself as kind of mid-stage at this point, and it's very difficult for me to read a novel anymore because I can't yeah. keep track of it from one sitting to the next. So mm -hmm. at this point, you know, that would not be a, a good gift for me. Short, maybe magazine um, subscriptions or short articles, short stories, you know, something like that would be more appropriate. Okay. Yeah, that's always also a problem with movies. You know, it's hard to keep track right. of the beginning of a movie once you get to the middle and the end, and it just doesn't make sense then. Yeah, and I, I think so many people have a hard time with that because they, 
And we hear this all the time. We have this discussion on dementia chats. People say, well, you look fine, you know? And so yeah. if, if the outside package looks okay, well, then there can't be anything going on in the brain. You know, everything's just the way it was. And um, people really have to, you know, pay attention and look a little deeper on, on those types of things. Um, because it is, it is really uh, important. Can you tell us um, why you feel it's important to provide um, special activities for somebody with dementia and, and maybe what um, age or stage you're, you're speaking to um, and if there's a difference between them? Yeah, there's absolutely a difference between them. Like I indicated, the early stage very often can do many of the things that they've always done. And then in the very last stages, there's very little available. At that point, we recommend music, uh, things that are tactically stimulating, things people can do with their hands. Um, uh, it's not so much that the activities are special, they're just, they're just activities that fit the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, <laughs> we, all, we all get older, and as we get older, we find that there's things that we used to be able to do that we can't do anymore. I used to be a pretty decent sprinter, uh, but not so much anymore. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with dementia. As it progresses, a person's abilities digress. They go in the other opposite direction. So we have to keep up with that progression. Uh, you know, something, uh, something should be challenging, but not overly challenging. It, sh it should be stimulating, uh, but it should never be, you know, n n never be to the point that it is frustrating. Mm -hmm. um, and it should also not be demeaning. Uh, that's important, but it sh when I say it, it should not be demeaning. I mean, it should not be demeaning for the, for the person who has dementia. Mm -hmm. um, now, that doesn't mean that if the person's daughter thinks it might de be demeaning, that doesn't mean it necessarily is. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have to, we have to keep that in mind always uh it, the, the person with dementia is the one that's important here so john it's, how uh, do you how do you weigh that out because i think again that gets into the the myths and the misconceptions of of mm -hmm. the disease so how do you know that um it's not the the person buying its perceptions that that might be wrong um versus the person with dementia? What are signs that you look for there? Or what should people look for in that situation? Initial reaction to a gift. Uh, we'll take things back, you know, as long mm -hmm. as they're, as long as they're not, we'll take things back, you know, exchanges or refunds. Uh, but look at the initial reactions. And, and, you know, if, if this person is obviously turned off by something, uh, then maybe you shouldn't be giving it to him or her at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, it, might, it might be fine later. Um, dolls are one of our favorite therapies, actually. Um, we, have a, we have a nice selection of dolls in a, in a big range of prices, in fact. Um, but a doll, we've had people tell us that dolls have allowed them to take their mother, for example, off most of their medications, you know, the medications that are, are given people to control their behavior. Uh, other people who've been for months and, and, and longer, who've been totally non-communicative, all of a sudden stop, start talking again. Mm -hmm. And not just with the doll, but with people around them, once they have a doll in their arms. Now, 
Yeah, a lot of people are going to think that a doll can be pretty demeaning for their parent. But, mm -hmm. if, you know, you can see right away if their parent holds the doll, talks to the doll, they're getting something out of it. And they're probably a lot more than, than is obvious at the point. So, you know, you got to put your own sensibilities aside sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, just just let let the person you're working with make the decisions. Mm -hmm. Paula, and you know something that something that is something that is rejected today might be might be the best thing in the world tomorrow. So you never know. Mm -hmm. Paula, and what's your feeling with doll therapy? Because I know that uh, some people love it, and some people just think, "Hey, that's not an age appropriate thing." What What is your thought as a person living with dementia? Well, as a person living with dementia, it wouldn't be something that would be appealing to me. Mm -hmm. But but that's just me. I mean, um, that's just my personality. I think. I the music you talked about, John. That's that's a really great thing. I think that's one of the best presents you can give. It it, yeah. it redirects your attention. It con it is soothing. Um, I just think that's one of the best things you can get. Mm -hmm. I was anxious to hear what other products you have. Before we go there, I just want to ask a couple more questions on the doll therapy thing. Um, John, do you find, because I would say, you know, for me, let's say if I got dementia, I probably wouldn't think that I would want a doll. But do you find that as people progress and go back in time, that it's more of a natural fit and it's more of us outside judging if it's appropriate or not? Um, be oh, sure. because of age. So yeah. I'm just, and I'm, I'm wondering, Paul Ann, you know, what your thoughts are with that, because, you know, what we pick right now in the state of mind that we're in might be something different as the disease progresses. Is that something that you'd like as an option so that people can find out really what does bring you joy as the disease progresses later on down the road? Well, well, I think, again, you have to look back to a person's history and what they've been involved with in their life. I was never anybody. I know a lot of teenagers are anxious to be mothers and have babies, and they love babies and this kind of thing. I never was a person that was really crazy about babies. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it was just my personality. So that's why I say, for me, it wouldn't be a good fit. I don't think at any stage. But, again, it, you have to go back to what the person's personality was like. And if they if they really enjoyed cuddling with their babies, you know, and everything like that, then maybe that would be a, a very appropriate thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. Um, John, do you want to go ahead and share some other types of gifts that uh, Paul Ann had mentioned? Oh, well, gifts should be fun, you know. There's a lot of, there are a lot of things that can aid in the, in the, uh, in the care of somebody with dementia, like door alarms, to let you know when, when somebody opens the front door or, or alarms that let you know when somebody's getting out of bed, things like that. But that's kind of like giving underwear to a 10-year-old, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, give, give, the, give the things that are fun. Give the games and the, and the movies if that's appropriate and, and things like that. Uh, those are gifts. Those are gifts that will be appreciated. Uh, and, and, again, give those practical stuff to the care providers. Do you have watches that help to orient people in terms watches, of... Watches, no, they don't. Okay. Um, do you have you know, We do have a clock. Uh, now, the clock we have is for, is for later stages, and it basically, it's called a day clock, and it tells you 
it tells you not what time it is, but it tells you if it's morning or afternoon or evening or night. And very often that's, that's as much as the person needs to know or even wants to know. Uh, there again, this is for later stages. Well, I know even at my stage, I have a very difficult time with this. I'll, you know, I go to fill out papers, and they'll say, what is the date? And I'll ask mm -hmm. somebody, what is the date? And they'll say the 15th. Well, that doesn't help me because I don't remember what month it is or the yeah. year. So I need the, uh -huh. full, the full thing. <laughs> my husband, I've got him right. trained pretty well. But um, yeah, no, other I... than that, it would be nice to have something like that. Do you carry a phone? Yes. Yeah, because that'll, that'll usually show you the time and the date and all of that information. Uh, we've, we, for a long time, we didn't have any clocks because we didn't find any that we liked, that we mm -hmm. thought were good for, for this population of people. They, they were confusing in regard to how they presented the date, for example. Uh, sometimes they would flash, and that's a that's as far as we're concerned, that's a that's a bad thing. Um, and so we, you know, we just didn't think we should have we should sell one of these. We wouldn't mm -hmm. buy it, so we wouldn't sell it. But we did find this day clock, and we think that it does have a place. It does serve a good purpose. Okay. Um, so you're looking you're looking for that type of thing to help the person who is it, basically oriented. to help them. Right. Um, or or so many times you have to fill out paperwork and forms, you know, whether they're insurance sure. or different forms like that. And it just comes down to, I mean, it, it may seem silly to someone else, but to forget what month it is, but it's very common. And even the yeah, year sometimes be you know, forgetful. Right. I know I've seen clocks that have the day of the week, the date, and the um, year, mm -hmm. that, that type of thing. And right. I was just wondering yeah. if you did anything like that. No, we, no, we don't. Those are those are readily available uh, in many places. It's part of the reason that we don't sell them. Uh, we try to okay. try to find things that are a little bit more unique and harder to find. Uh, for, you know, if you're filling out paperwork, I would suggest that you just write that pertinent information down on a piece of paper. It'll be a lot more accessible to you and a lot more understandable than looking at a, you know, the the face of a watch or something each time that you have to know that. Okay. Yeah, the the problem Yeah, the problem can be to remember to do that and then to bring it with you to what you need. Um, mm -hmm. you know, on that in terms of following. That can be done on the spot, though, too. Or, you know, if you're if you're at the bank or at your lawyers or something, you could even ask them to do it for you. I'm sure they'll understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just embarrassing sometimes oh, when I you understand. have to ask, sure. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's. But, I think it's uh, it's more and more common. I mean, I hear um, people just who are retired or on vacation. I mean, when I'm on vacation, I totally lose track of days and times, and well, and even sometimes when I'm not, you know, it's like, what day is it? Boy, the yeah, time I was went. Say. The time went fast. I, I think in this fast-paced world, it's actually more common for people not to know uh, than to know in a lot of ways, um, mm -hmm. just because we're we get so regimented into looking at our phone and if our phone's not there, you know, we don't have yeah. it. Or if you have a Fitbit, you can kind of, you know, cheat and get the, 
the time, but you still wouldn't know what date it is, you know, or if you don't have your computer, because we're, I don't know, we, we've trained ourselves not to have to remember those things through technology. Right. And, um, right. and yet I can see how it would be even more difficult for somebody with dementia um, to find that. So um, that's interesting why you chose not to do certain clocks and things, so too, and not to, not to have that as a product. Let's talk about um, the distinction between age and stage appropriate. What do you really mean by that? And do you feel that one outweighs the other? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm very opinionated on that, as a matter of fact. Um, the, uh, the example I gave of, of Bernice and her, and her bookkeeping is a good, is a good example of, a, of a, an activity that is age-appropriate. It's age-appropriate for someone who is at the age she was at the time. Most people at that age uh, handle that fine, and before she, before her Alzheimer's disease had progressed uh, to the point that it had, she could do it fine. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it's an age-appropriate activity for a person in their early 80s, which she, she was at the time. Uh, another age-appropriate activity might be, for example, a game of chess, which is a you know difficult game. It requires thinking and planning and strategy and, and memory also. And those are things that that most dementias will affect eventually. And chess will become not so not so good a game, even though it's age-appropriate. So those two things are no longer stage-appropriate. They're not appropriate to the stage of the dementia that the individual is in. Um, uh, let me see what that should be enough example. Um, Do you offer a guide is, for your customers, like a catalog or something that kind of guides them? Yeah, on our website we have we have different categories. One of our ways of categorizing is by stage. We have we have suggestions for early stage, for middle stage, and for late stage. Uh, so you can go there and get a better idea of what what that might be. Uh, it can be difficult, you know, if you're if you're caring caring for mom or dad, it can be difficult knowing what stage they're in. Uh, we do give on our website some help in doing that, but if you you know if there's no doubt that that, that a loved one has dementia, they need to be in medical care anyway, and you can get some help also on the stage from from the family doctor. Um, I would have to interject that I question how much the family doctor is really going to help because we've we've had many discussions on on, well, yeah, on the lack true. on I the agree. lack of resources um, that many yeah. Give. What you need to find is a doctor that really understands the the syndrome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and we'll take the time to help you with resources. Um, right, right. Paula, do you have any comments about the, the doctor piece? Well, I would agree, too. I don't know that that's the first place I would look. Maybe sometimes the psychologist or psychiatrist are a little bit more helpful than the neurologist. Um, but, you know, that, that would be the way I would go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but, but back to the, the age versus stage appropriateness, I've always said that that the stage appropriateness is a bigger concern. Uh, 
you want to have something again that is that is challenging, but it has to be doable also. Otherwise, it's just getting in the way. It's just frustrating. Uh, age appropriate is uh, <laughs> an age appropriate activity can be frustrating and very often will be. You know, especially as the disease progresses. So the trick is to find something that is both age and stage appropriate. And when we started, that was a hard thing to do. Um, so we started, you know, we, we found games that were basically designed for children. But that weren't, that weren't necessarily demeaning. Um, for example, a 30 or a 50 piece puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle, might be at the perfect level of difficulty for someone. But if it's got a picture of SpongeBob SquarePants on it, for example, it's it it, it could be demeaning. It could be seen as offensive. Mm -hmm. um, so we looked for we looked for those those uh, uh, activities that were easy enough, but but appeal to an adult sensibilities. Uh, now it's much better. Now we have a we have one line of puzzles that is specifically made and cut for people with with dementia. Uh, they use the puzzle, the company uses the, the pictures that they use for adult puzzles that they'll cut into, you know, 500 or 1,000 pieces, and they cut them into 35 pieces. And they call them puzzles to remember. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you know, I think you're aware of those. Oh, with Jay and Snyder, yep. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's that's wonderful. Uh, yeah, and aren't they a little bit thicker and stuff too to be able to pick up? No, no, no those mm -hmm. aren't. Those okay. are pretty much standard. The the board that they're put on. Um, we, yeah, there are puzzles available that are thicker. Um, we have had some in the past. We don't we don't carry that presently mm -hmm. uh, for various reasons, uh, but. Uh, uh, there were again. There were very few things that were created that were designed for this for this population ten years ago, twelve years ago when we started looking. Uh, that's changing. Uh, almost monthly, you, you can find new products that that specifically address uh, particular problems of dementia. John, so, do you think it might be uh, might be helpful to have a, a like a questionnaire that you could ask your loved ones questions to get to what they would really like? Um, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, that that might be helpful to somebody who's purchasing a gift or mm -hmm. trying to purchase a gift. You know, just some questions that they might ask. Yeah, I'm going to think about that. It's almost too late to do anything this year for the, for the, sure. for the Christmas holidays. But, but yeah, that's a good suggestion. Another, um, another product I just wanted to ask you about are coloring Do you sell coloring books for We do. We do have, we do have one, um, and we're looking for others. So many of the adult coloring books now are just too busy. Um, and so we haven't found too many that we like. We're actually in the process of, of putting some designs together to print our own. Um, and the one we have is kind of our own. <laughs> our partners in Europe uh, did it. Uh, so it's kind of ours. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. Coloring is, 
a great activity for for care provider and care receiver to share in. Uh, each of you take a page and color. It's as we are beginning to understand that that process is is meditative uh, and will benefit both parties. Uh, and it is. It's it's very involving. And uh, you know, it reminds me. It reminds me a long time ago when we first started caring for Bernice. Holly took her a coloring book. Now Bernice was a little funny in some ways. She didn't want to make mistakes. She it was hard to get her to try new things. Although we were able to do that. Um, but Holly asked her if she'd like to color, and she said, "No, I don't think so." So she put the coloring. Holly put the coloring book aside, and they talked for a while. And, and a little while later, Holly opened the coloring book and picked up a crayon and started coloring. And Bernice obviously got really involved, I mean, in, in watching her color. And Holly asked her if she would like to try. She said, no, you're doing good. And she said, well, what color do you think I should make this? And so the rest of the picture was completed with with Bernice choosing the color and Holly doing the actual coloring. And when they were done, I mean, it was as though Bernice had done it herself, or at least, you know, she felt that this was her picture now, which is, you know, you can't ask for too much more than that in an activity for her to have the pride in, in completion. So mm -hmm. you, sometimes you've got to just play things by ear. Yeah, I... Um... Yeah. One of the things I wanted to add with coloring was that it really um, bypasses any age standards, too. I remember my mom used to really enjoy coloring with my, with my daughter. And, um, you know, she was probably four or five. And they just had a ball together, you know. And so yeah, right. um, it, it, it really goes for all generations. And I think there's... You know, it's it's proven to be relaxing, and you know all of that as well. So, which is great. Yeah. Um, to yeah, to so everybody. There's a, there's a great example of an activity that's both age and stage appropriate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Pauline, any um, specifics you want to add regarding um, coloring? I don't know if you've done any yourself or. Oh, I do. I do it quite a bit. I have mandalas. I do. There's all kinds of design books anymore that um, that have come out, and it, it. I do find it, as John said, very meditative. It really calms you down, me down, and it, it kind of distracts me from all of the problems or the things that are going on around me, and it just gives me a very peaceful feeling and a sense of accomplishment too. When you're finished, you have something that you can say, I made that, and look how beautiful it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it puts you in the moment, doing what you're doing. And that is why we think that these activities, especially these fun activities, are so important. It puts a person in the moment, mm -hmm. as opposed to worrying about yesterday or thinking about tomorrow, which very often someone with Alzheimer's can't do. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about... Oh, let's see. Uh, you know what? You know what our audience should be looking for in terms of, a, you know, appropriate activities. Do Do you have some ideas when they're, you know, what should they be looking for in terms of characteristics of a person? Or, you know, um, do I know you don't have any guided questions right now, but can you think of some right off the top of your head 
um, that might be helpful to, you know, pull together for people to, to utilize, you know, maybe next year, but just any, any comments off the top? Well, you always look first at things that interested that person earlier in their life or their lives. Um, a lot of people who, who were in the business world, bankers or whatever, will spend their days dressed up, sitting in front of a desk and doing, doing things that make them feel like they were, you know, working 20, 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, you know, it's meaningful for them and definitely beneficial. Um, we, we always say look for things that are stimulating. Now, it's pretty broad. Uh, most anything, activity by its nature is stimulating. But there's a lot of different ways to stimulate. You can stimulate a person cognitively, you know, their thought processes. Uh, games and puzzles do this really well. You can stimulate uh, the senses. Everything, of course, stimulates the senses. But, you know, really specifically stimulate the senses. Uh, sense organs connect directly to the brain. Anything, anything that stimulates the eyes, for example, stimulates the brain. Anything that stimulates the, the receptors in the fingertips stimulate the brain. And that's what we're looking for, that brain stimulation. Because we can, we can slow down the progression of a disease by, like that. We can, we can actually, they're finding, grow the brain, certain areas of the brain, especially the hippocampus, which is responsible for memory, can create new, new uh, cells. And that's through stimulation. So sensory stimulation is brain stimulation, very important. Exercise is something to always look for. Uh, we need to keep our bodies as healthy, or their bodies as healthy as possible. It eliminates or at least reduces the, the risk of falling and injury. Uh, but also it, it uh, stimulates the brain in, in, as a result of, of uh, blood circulation and oxygenation and things like that. Uh, stimulate creatively, and the music does this, the coloring does this. Um, the creative centers of the brain are some of the last to be affected by most dementias. So always do that. And, and getting back to an earlier question, um, in terms of, of, of finding what is an appropriate activity for anyone, sometimes, sometimes it's something they've never done before. A lot of people start painting after they're diagnosed with dementia. And many do a real good job of it, uh, but all feel good about it. And that's, you know, that's your point. Something that they can do creatively that, um, that they feel good about and feel good about themselves. John, and another one is... Mm -hmm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, another one is just things that are relaxing. You know, it's important for all of us that we relax and get our minds off everything else, uh, as, uh, as Paul Ann said about the coloring, she, she just doesn't think about anything else while she's doing that. And that's important too. Uh, listening to music can be very relaxing, but it's also, there's a lot going on when we listen to music. Um, I actually have, I think on my website, some pictures, some MRIs of the brain that's listening to music. And it's, it's like watching a fireworks display all the different parts of the brain lighting up as it, as, as these different parts are stimulated by the music. So, um, 
yeah, stimulate all of those areas whenever possible. Let's talk about alternative therapies and and what you have to offer um, for like aromatherapy, art. We talked about doll, but light. We've talked a little bit about music, um, reminiscence, and, and just sensory stimulation. Can you tell us? Um, if you've got products that coincide with all of those? Oh, yeah. Um, actually, we, we say on the front page of our store, we, we say dementia therapy without drugs. Because that's, that's one of, our, one of our, our things is to get people off the use of drugs. The drugs that are used for, you know, for controlling behavior. These, uh, these alternative therapies, as we call them, can do just as good a job sometimes a better job and than, than the drugs. And it's certainly a better job when you consider that they're not having the, the, the nasty side effects of the drugs. Um, so, yeah, we basically list our, our alternative therapies as aromatherapy, art therapy, dial therapy, light therapy, music therapy, uh, reminiscence therapy, and then I put in sensory stimulation because that too is therapeutic. Now again, every one of those others feed in sensory stimulation. Everything that we know, everything that we do, stimulates the senses. So, can you give um, people now, examples of each of those, though, John? A lot of people don't right. know what those are. Sure. An aromatherapy is based on essential plant oils. Mm-hmm. Uh, aromatherapy has been well, actually has been around for millennia. The ancient Greeks and, and Egyptians used uh, used these oils uh, for therapeutic effect. Now there are there are several oils that have been studied specifically with people who have dementia. Um, lavender and lemon balm are two of the of the uh, best examples of that. Uh, both of these are calming. Um, they they soothe and balance emotions, and they'll promote a better mood. To help sleep, uh, just relaxation in general. Uh, rosemary is an example of a of a of a plant oil that will actually aid memory. I mean, they they've studied these, and there is indication that it will actually improve memory. Um, those are probably the three most, the most, let's say I would recommend those three above others. Peppermint is a stimulant, you know, it can be used to stimulate uh, diet or to stimulate uh, eating. Uh, That's often a a problem. Uh, People with dementia often forget to eat uh, or don't feel that they're hungry because they're losing that part of the brain that tells them that signals that they're hungry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, that's aromatherapy. And now there's ways to use it. You can put it in. You can put it in uh, what is called a carrier oil. That would be like a coconut oil or something, uh, and use it as a massage oil. Uh, there are there are uh, diffusers that will that will atomize it into the air to be breathed. Uh, you can rub it directly into the skin, but that's not always rec- uh, always recommended. Uh, so there's a lot of ways to use that. And I suggest that if it sounds like something you're interested in, to, to look at our website. Uh, we do talk about it quite, uh, quite
quite a bit there. Yeah, yeah, I'm all for aromatherapy. I think that's a wonderful thing, and the lavender is very calming. And um, yeah, I think that's a a wonderful thing. But that again is just something that is particular to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, but yeah, it is particular to you, but it's particular to a lot of people also. Um, and again, you know, you you make that point. Yeah, none of these things are going to work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them will work for a few people. Some of them will work for a lot of people. But um, not um, not any of it will work for everyone. Um, light, ther- light therapy is a similar thing. Uh, one of the problems that that dementia causes is sleep problems. You get a lot of wandering, a lot of uh, sundowning, and things like that. And that's because that part of the brain that regulates our time sense uh, gets confused, and the light therapy helps reset that. That's uh, you know our, our our rhythms that are set by us. It's called the suprachiasmatic nucleus, and I, that's it, it's a funny word, but it's it's what regulates our time sense, so that we know it's day, and we know it's night, and you know we all basically live by a 24-hour time cycle, but that gets confused very often with dementia. Um, art so therapy do you, and music... Do you often offer those light therapies? Yeah, we do have a light, a therapy light. We found one that is fairly inexpensive, fairly powerful. It needs to be powerful. It needs to be full-spectrum light. Okay, so white, basically. Uh, mm-hmm. So it can't just be any light. It has to be a specific a specific light source. Right. Um, okay. And again, it's it's uh, we have one. They're available in a lot of other places, but it should be it should be the, the light output is measured in lux, and I think it should be five to ten thousand lux. Now I won't get into what lux is because I'm not sure I'd be able to tell you anyway. But it's a it's a uh, it's a measure of the light intensity. And the other thing is that it should be a full-spectrum white light. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you have a lot of um, sensory um, things that people can purchase. Can you explain some of those and um, how that how they work? Yeah. Um, again, we... Anything... Well, let's, let me back up. Not anything that... Not anything that stimulates the senses is, is good. Uh, you don't want to overstimulate. Uh, we used to have a ball that, when you when you bounced it, it would it would flash. And this was when we had just started, and we talked with somebody uh, who is now a friend who's because of this uh, in the Alzheimer's Association in Iowa, and she said, you know, this might not be a good idea to have that flashing light. That can that can set off some things that you don't want. Uh, it can be confusing. It can be just one of those things that you don't want. Uh, so you don't want to overstimulate. But a, a, a slowly blinking light or a light that changes color slowly can be very good. Um, we A lot of the, the things that are specifically sensory stimulating that we have are... Uh, uh, let me say, they're just kind of simple things, you know, things that will 
move and change color and and they're available in many places so we don't sell a lot of them so we don't carry a lot of them but we will you know we recommend all kinds of things and you, you uh, do and again, have you do have I a lot of DVDs so people can watch different scenery and and things like that um, yeah and those are again those are sensory stimulating as is everything uh, but yeah we have a whole section of those Mm -hmm. uh, they are mostly just nature scenes set to music. So you have the music and you have the visual stimulation and you don't have the confusion of a narration or a storyline to get in the way. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we do have a few other DVDs that do have a narration. Uh, for example, we have a set of, of uh, decade DVDs that of 40s, 50s, 60s, etc., that uh, talk about things that happened in in those respective decades does does have a storyline, mm -hmm. uh, and That's they're better off for people in earlier. Yeah, they're they're neat. They're really well done, uh, but more appropriate for people in earlier early middle stage. Mm -hmm. What are the sharpen your senses cards? What what's what are those? They're just activity. They're activity cards. Mm -hmm. um, they they make suggestions about what what might or what has in the past uh, looked good to you or smelled good to you, you know, without having them right in front of me now, mm -hmm. it's hard for me to, to give you an example of that. Um, okay. I just pulled it up. So like, for example, it's got some no, sounds, some sounds are relaxing, yeah, have... name, name three sounds that have a relaxing effect on you. Yeah. Um, or we all eat certain foods on the holidays um, and turkey is associated with Thanksgiving. What foods are associated with the Fourth of July? So some open-ended mm -hmm. type questions um, mm -hmm. with yeah. that. Okay. Yeah, and we have a set of games that does a very similar thing. There's shake, the, the, well, the shakeout. We call them the shakeout games. There's just five of them. Shake loose a memory is the original, mm -hmm. um, and you know, nicely named. But it has it has similar things. Questions about like. Did your mother bake bread when you were young, or did you buy it at the at the store? Mm -hmm. Things like that, just things that sh shake loose a memory. Mm -hmm. But then they came out with four others: there, there, shake out the truth, um, shake, shake uh, the shake loose more memories, which is a sequel, and and a couple others: uh, shake up the relatives, and shake awake your senses is the fifth. Okay. So that too is going to the senses. Okay, and you have you have a lot of games, and you have like packaged games too that people can mm -hmm. can buy, kind of almost like a bucket of of things. So there's really quite yeah. a bit here on on the website, and a lot of really good good articles um, as well. And it looks like you even have a little clearance section, which everybody always likes do, to yeah. shop the outlet. Very <laughs> often, that's, that's damaged goods or things that we're 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 no longer going to carry. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, we put them on clearance. And people love to go to the clearance section. Mm -hmm. um, I noticed that you have on your website a section for caregivers. Do you have um, gifts for caregivers? They're not, they're not so much gifts, but there are gifts for caregivers, like, you know, lotions and things like that. But, but these are more, like I was talking about earlier, where you have uh, safety. Uh, right safety alarms and things like that that would be more appropriate for a caregiver 
that would help their help them in their job as caregivers mm-hmm. uh, to provide you know to provide the care. Uh, but we also have books, you know, that are informational books that that help a caregiver understand the disease and things like that. Things that we were looking for, you know, 12 and 15 years ago when we started to to care for Bernice. Uh, we have other books as well, activity books and and things like that that are specifically for, you know, for the for the person with dementia. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we have books about books for reminiscing, which is which is great. Reminiscence is another great therapy. You know, get people to remember their past. They're uh, they're well, not in all dementias, but in Alzheimer's, certainly, it's those recent memories that get lost really quickly. You know, somebody is could have a problem remembering what they had for breakfast, and you remember clearly what they did 30, 40 years ago. Uh, and that's reminiscence, and you always want to work with with those reminiscences whenever possible, mm-hmm. and, and get them to get them to explain, get them to extrapolate, and, and get into those memories as much as possible. Okay. Uh, Someone recently brain. said something to me about um, they were talking about photo albums, you know, and so forth as a good as a good um, memory tool. But they they mentioned that you should always just have like one picture on a page, as opposed to yep. having a multiple um, multiple pictures because it would be more distracting. Oh well, sure, yeah. More than, more than one thing is always a little confusing, even for me. I know. Uh, but we have a great picture album that is recordable, uh, so you can put mm-hmm. a picture on a page and and you can make a recording. You know, either the person who's making remembering or. Or you know the daughter can can record what she remembers about that picture, or the whole family can remember. Uh, it's actually a great a great album that we have because it, it there's 200 minutes of total record time. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, these are available in a lot of places, but very often you get you get nine or ten seconds of record time per page. Mm-hmm. These have an average of 10 minutes, and you can divide that up however you want. So that's you know that's a lot of time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You can really get you can really get into something there, and uh, that's that's a great seller uh, for Christmas for this time of year. Now, John, you also um, have what's called talking tiles. What are those? Well, that's actually made by the same company that makes the photo album. Okay. And those are things. Those are just little. Basically, they're little buttons. They're probably about three and a half inches across that you can put a recording on, and you can put a label on. And every time that button is pushed, it will replay the, whatever you have recorded on there. So you might you might uh, um, you might put a label on it that says uh, "See you for dinner," mm-hmm. and then put a recording that says "Hey mom, I'm at work now. I'll be home at at six o'clock, and we'll have dinner." Okay. You know, questions like that are, are very often repetitive. When are you going to be home? When are you going to be home? You know, every five minutes. When are you going to come home? So, you know, if they have that button to push, that can that can be helpful in that regard, okay. especially if you're not there. Okay, great. Yeah, that's something that's something that is an issue for me as well. I have a my technique since I don't have anything fancy is a little whiteboard with a pen. I have mm-hmm. my husband write on there all the time wh- yep. where he went and when he's coming home. Yeah, you want to know those things, don't you? Yeah. And, yes. um, and if you forget, 
it, it's not easy to get that memory back. So yeah, anything like that, any aid like that, is is going to be helpful. Um, but yeah, these are all these are all what we call aids for daily living. You know, things that things that help you get through the day. Do those things that every that all of us do every day and take you know take for granted. Yeah. Can't can't any longer take some of these things for granted. Well, John, we have about um, four minutes left here. Um, do you want to just uh, tell us a little bit if you, I know you've um, taken a lot of time studying and looking at different activities. Have you ever given any thought to making your own at all for products? Yeah. In fact, we're in, the, in that process now. We're, being, we're working with our partners in Europe to get a few things going. Uh, we never find enough games. So we've got some good ideas for games. Um, as well as some other types of products. Now it's a slow process, and <laughs> you know one that, that one that we weren't too familiar with when we got started, and now we are finding out that it's involved and it's slow. We were hoping we'd have at least a few things ready by now, mm -hmm. uh, but we should be those should be available shortly within the new year. Okay. Uh, we're ready with a couple of them to to basically get them. You finish up the last few details and get them sent off to the factory and have them made. Uh, so yeah, we do. Um, you know, we've got a couple of things: a box of balls that we it was actually one of our first products that we gave to Bernice when she broke her wrist. These are all squishy balls that we put in a box, and uh, it, it got her exercising and moving and getting the the feeling and the use back for her hand. Um, so we, you know, we package that and sell that. And then we have a busy bee lap pad, which is basically a, it's like a uh, an activity apron that has a weighted pad inside. Mm -hmm. So you get the additional mm -hmm. benefit of that weight, uh, which is, you know, great sensory feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are a couple of things that we do have, but those are only available through us. They're not priced, they're, they're not costed well enough for us to be able to, to make them available to others for resale. Okay. Great. And so, yeah, we're going in that direction now, finally. Okay, wonderful. And the best way for people to get a hold of you is just go to bestalzheimersproducts.com. Is that correct? That's our website. Okay. That's our website. You can get to our store from there. They're separate websites. Mm -hmm. But if you right at the top, there's a little button that says shop, so you can go there. Plus, mm -hmm. you know, most of the pages on the website have buttons to the store for, you know, for specifics. Mm -hmm. Um and uh, that's the best way. We, uh, my, my email address is there. Our phone number is there. So we're always available. Well, I shouldn't say that because we sleep also. Mm -hmm. But we're often available. We're usually available to talk on the phone or, or if you email us. So. Okay, great. Uh, Pauline, any last minute comments? No, I've enjoyed it very much. And if you ever want to field test any of these products, I'd be happy to field test them for you. Yeah, you know what? I'm. I can contact you through through Lori. Sure. Yeah, because when we Is come start, okay, when Lori? we start, yeah. getting our our new products in, uh, that's a great suggestion. Yeah, wonderful. We're going to need to do that. Great, great. Okay, well, thank you so much for taking the time to go over all of this with us. Yeah. Well, thank you, Paula. It was been it's been a pleasure. It really has. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Um, again, I want to thank both of you for, for being with us. I thought it was a great conversation, and we got to be able to talk about a variety of gift giving, the, the ages versus the stages, and um, kind of breaking down some of those myths, what to look for in a person when you're giving a gift as well. Um, for those of you who are new to Alzheimer's Speaks, we always have um, all of our archive shows available to you. So last week, uh, we had a show uh, called Family in Dementia, um, entitled Brought to Our Senses. And we talked with an author um, who has a book uh, entitled Brought, Brought to Our Senses. Um, we also had another author on uh, who wrote a book called Clueless, A Journey Through Alzheimer's Caregiving. And both just um, were um, great conversations um, in terms of the family dynamic. And then prior to that, we had a couple of shows regarding music and reminiscing. And I, I think uh, those are well worth the listen as well. As far as our Dementia Chats goes, which are interviews um, that you can see, uh, those are video interviews. Uh, the last one we did was Dementia and Caring for Pets, uh, talking about is it a good fit. And all of our experts actually have dementia, so it's really a wonderful way to get insights from them, not only in terms of having a pet in your own home, but even if you're visiting a pet, how that could affect somebody with dementia, both pros and cons. Um, as far as upcoming uh, screenings of the film His Neighbor Phil, on January 7th, I'll be in St. Therese in Woodbury, Minnesota. Uh, on January 26th, I will be um, at Gable Pines, also in Minnesota. And then on March 6th and May 20th, I'll be back at St. Therese in Woodbury, again, showing that film. If you didn't see the big um, special edition in USA Today, which was um, just uh, on Monday, um, they had a big section on fighting um, Alzheimer's, and it's this huge campaign. Um, Maria Shriver is part of that and in many others as well. But um, check that out. If you don't know where to go, just go to my homepage, and um, there's a couple of different articles there. One will give you to the whole campaign. Um, and then there are a couple articles that... Uh, we're um, highlighting Alzheimer's Speaks. One is through the USA Today campaign, and another is through Maria Shriver's Architect of Change as well. So I want to thank everybody for joining us today. And, uh, you know, check out Alive and Social, which is our network here. And one of the things that might be kind of fun, especially for the holidays, is to check out What's for Dinner Tonight with Rachel Perrin who is the culinary director for Kowalski's Markets here in Minnesota. And um, she does a show with her sidekick, Adam Lee. And they talk about all kinds of stuff about seasonal flavors and favorite foods and trending topics with nutrition. And you can get um, in this short podcast, which usually only lasts 10 to 15 minutes, some great menu ideas. And you can always go to Kowalski's.com for complete menus as well. And that's www.kowalskis.com. Have a brilliant holiday season, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye now. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, 
and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.